Morning, church. Good morning. Why don't you guys go ahead and stand up and worship with us? We're going to do things a little bit different. We're actually going to start out worshiping this morning. How does that sound? All right, you sing along with me here. The splendor of the Sing with me how 
you truly believe it? He's the name.
we're going to come to a time of prayer. I invite you to take a posture of prayer. Um, you can continue standing. You can have a seat. We always have the altars open. Anytime. If you want to come and just kneel. But let's go before God. Great are you, Lord, and worthy of praise. We lift you up. God, you've been so good to us. We thank you for the way that you are moving in and through our lives. We thank you for the way that you are orchestrating a beautiful symphony that is restoring people and creation back to you. And thank you that you allow us to participate. God, we acknowledge right now that it's your breath. It's your spirit that gives us life and animates us for your kingdom. And so, Jesus, right now, we just stop and we yield to you. Holy Spirit, have your way in our hearts. Transform our minds and our actions. May our hands and feet become instruments that you can use. And may we truly love our community the way you want us to. Thank you for loving us. We give this time and our lives to you. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Through the power of the Spirit, to a holy triune God. Amen. Probably one of the most important moments in our worship service is when we continue in worship by practicing a little bit of how we are to live among each other. Uh, we believe wholeheartedly that we receive peace that passes understanding from Jesus. And because we are recipients of that peace, it's our responsibility to just let it come through our fingers and our toes and everything about us so that as we walk out these doors, that we kind of live and, and exhibit uh, the peace of Christ in our world. But we get to practice that with each other, which is a beautiful thing. And so I'd like for you to stand with me as we practice living as people of peace, as we extend peace to each other. So let me be maybe the first to say to you this morning, may the peace of Christ be with you. Thank you. Please extend that peace to each other this morning.
Good morning, everyone. All right, everyone, I have a few announcements for you. All right. We want to talk about the ways that you can participate during Lent. And we have some great opportunities for you. One is we would like to join, ask you to join us on Sundays at 9 a.m. for Sunday school. Um, it goes from 9 to 9.50, right before service. Great way to get into the Word. Um, we also have Quest 52, which meets on Wednesday evenings here at the church. Debbie um, leads that, Debbie Clark. And that is from 7 till 8.15. You do not have to know what has happened each week leading into it. Each week is its own week, starts fresh every single week. So if you miss, you don't need to worry about being lost. Um, and then the last thing is we have small group uh, every other Friday. That is at Mike and I's house. And right now we are going to be in um, the Jesus' Farewell Message by Francis Chan. We meet every other Friday. If any of you are interested in joining us for that small group, just see Mike, or Mike and I. Um, or you can ask Pastor if we're not here and he can direct you to us. All right, and then the last thing we would like to uh, invite you and encourage you to read John chapters 13 through 17 every day through the entire Lent season. It is a great way to just really be close with Jesus during this time and, and just really dive into his farewell message for us. And then Lectio 365 is an app that you can download, and it's free. And you can do your daily devotionals, um, prayer, um, all sorts of things. Get into the Bible that way. There's, um, it's just a great resource that you can use during this time. Uh, next Sunday, potluck. Right after church. I won't be here. I'm so sad. Although we'll be, we'll be in Haiti by that time, so we'll be okay. Um, so, yeah, we, we encourage you to come. You don't have to bring anything, uh, but if you would like to, it's, uh, we all join together for a meal on that first Sunday of every month. Um, and then March 25th is VBS, and we need your help. We need help with um, moving the kids from session to session. We need help with sign-up, check-in, um, registration, all of that kinds of things, snacks. Uh, there are sign-ups out in the lobby. Um, we encourage you to be a part of that. Um, and it's from 9 to noon on Saturday. And I believe that is it. Thank you so much. So, hi there. Let me add my good morning to you. My name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here. And I get to help us continue worshiping this morning through the giving of our tithes and offerings. You know, we just sang God is such a great God and he's given so much to us. And during this time, we're able to give back and God uses those tithes and offerings for uh, the work of his kingdom here in Port Orange as well as around the world. And so if you're online, um, I'll post in just a minute on Facebook and YouTube how you can participate, ponaz.church slash give. If you're here in the building, boxes on the wall as you leave this morning and we can participate in that. Also, let's not forget, we also, during this time, give to our good neighbor offering, which is money that we set aside above tithes and offerings to support um, efforts and people that need our help right here in, in the community. So let's pray. God, we do thank you. You are a great God. You have given so much. And anything that we could give back to you would pale into comparison. But we do worship you during this time, and we pray that you'll take these funds, that you'll use them for your kingdom here in Port Orange, throughout Central Florida, and literally around the world. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Check, check, check. Ah. Hey, good morning, good morning, good morning. All right. Let me see if I can get this going. It's so good to see you all. I, I hope you know how good you are for my soul. And it's very, in case you don't know. We're going to be in the book of John today, so if you have your Bibles... Turn to John if you have your phones and you have your Bible downloaded on that. Turn to your second screen on your iPhone to John 13. That's where we're going to be today. And uh, we're going to be somewhat paralleling the Friday night group. Um, We'll be doing a little more because we're hitting every week and they meet every other week. But um, great to spend some time in the Word of God, and I'm, I'm really excited about what's going on. So let me just give you a quick summary of where we are. Um, this, is, this is the book of John, written by the author. All right, good. I'm throwing you some easy ones. <laughs> I don't want to dive in too quickly. So John was written by John, and uh, John, a lot of people say, is broken into two main sections. You've got the first 12 chapters that has Jesus basically talking to the crowds. He's with the crowds. He's with Nicodemus. He's with Samaritans and other people. And then you've got 13 through 17 where Jesus is with his inner circle. These are the last moments before he's taken away and crucified. And so you've got this outward crowd, and then he focuses in for these five chapters on these twelve that he has poured his life into for three and a half years. And you've got this scene where, well, Leonardo uh, did a great job, I think, Um, although I don't understand. Jen would hate this because you're not supposed to sit on the same side of the table. Um, It would drive her crazy. Is anyone else that way? Yeah, you've got to sit across from someone. It's weird when two people... Yep. All right, I see a lot of heads nodding. Yeah. So maybe that's the way it was back then. I don't know. But you have this beautiful discourse. And it's things that so many of us have heard about. It's, it's I'm the way, the truth, and the life. It's the washing of the feet. It's the, it's the breaking of the bread. It's, it's all these things. I'm leaving, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit. In this world, you're going to have troubles. But take heart, I've overcome. And we hear these things... And it's easy to forget that this is kind of all happening in one setting. And so there's a lot to unpack in these five chapters. We're going to start with the first section, and we're going to talk about um, an awkward moment. You know how it is with family dinners. There's always that one moment that's a little cringeworthy. Is it just our family? (laughs) Well, in our family, no. I'm kidding, Mom and Dad. I'm so sorry. Um, you have this moment, and, and as I've been reading it this week, it reminded me of a clip from a TV show, and I want to show it to you. It's um, a show called Everybody Loves Raymond, and if you're online with us, they're going to mute it and take it off the screen because we have the rights to show it in person, but we don't have the rights to show it online. So come to church and you can see all the stuff in person. It's really good. But (laughs) that's not, sorry. This is why my sermons go long. I get so sidetracked. (laughs) All right. Back to the
Have you been there? Can I tell you that... So I was just kind of summarizing for Jen where I'm going, and she said, oh, you mean like the other day? And I'm like, what? (laughs) Apparently there was a piece of paper on the ground in our house that she did not pick up. She wanted to see how long it would stay there, and no one else in our family saw it. She took a picture of it on the ground to show us how long it had been waiting, and we're just all... I told her it's because I'm, I'm looking upward towards heaven all the time. I don't, I don't look at the ground, peasant. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But we get to a different setting, but same situation, right? At the heart of it really is service, isn't it? Am I going to serve the other person, or am I going to expect to be served? I mean, let's be honest. I love service. I love Disney because their customer service is top-notch. We have cruisers that cruise all over the world all the time. And what do we love about cruises? The service. It's like, what do you need? Do you need a towel? Here you go. You want some more steak? Here you go. Can I get you this? It's like, oh, yeah. We love being served, don't we? It's just, I don't know. It, it, Jen and I, a lot of times, Friday comes, rolls around, we pick up the girls, and we're, we both are saying, I'm done. It's been a long week. Let's just go somewhere and have them wait on us. Just go to a restaurant and just be served. I get it. We like being served. We don't like to serve. Um, Christians have this problem. One, one person put it this way. Everyone wants to change the world, but nobody wants to do the dishes. So for us to understand really what's going on here in John 13, we kind of have to look at some of the other Gospels just to kind of understand because John doesn't give us every detail. So like if you were to look in Luke 22, you'd hear that Jesus is about to talk about how he's going to be betrayed. And Luke points out that very quickly the disciples start to argue, and the question that they're wanting answered is, who's going to be the greatest? Jesus has just said, according to Luke, that he's about to be betrayed, and they're worried about, well, who's going to be on the top when he's gone? I don't know if that's what they were thinking, but that's kind of the feeling that we get. So then we get to John chapter 13. And we see Jesus doing this. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He'd loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. A lot of people say that to the very end, John is doing this kind of double thing. He loved them all the way to his death, and he loved them completely to the end. He gave all he had. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Now, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. Jesus knew who he was. So he got up from the table, he took off his robe, he wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday... You will. No, Peter protested. You will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you don't belong to me. So Simon Peter exclaimed, you can wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. I I want all of you. Let's do this. Jesus replied, a person who is bathed all over doesn't need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. 
and you disciples are clean. But not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That's what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. And after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their masters, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So John does this masterful job. And John has always been kind of set apart. You've got Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're the other three in the Gospels. Um, and they're, they're all kind of running the same track. And John is much more poetic. And he kind of takes a different way around things. And it's really interesting. John is the only one to mention this foot-washing scene. It's absent in the other three passages. Also interesting is John is the only one that doesn't mention the cup and the bread. And it's almost as if John is saying, hey, the others told you what Jesus did. He broke the bread. I want to tell you what Jesus meant. And it's almost like he has this this lens through which he sees communion, and it's all about servanthood and service. So John takes his time. I mean, he takes his time. I mean, we're talking 13, 12, 13 verses talking about the foot washing. He could have just said, so Jesus got down to wash their feet and then said, no, he takes his time. He wants to drive home this point that this is about service. Service done through love. Love is used 37 times in these five chapters. Love, love, love. Jesus loved them. He showed them he loved them. He gave an example of love. He told them to love. Love, love, love. And he did it through serving. And John takes his time and he tells the account meticulously. And then he tells them that Jesus tells them what he meant. So, I mean, it goes on and on and on. He wants to be sure that there is no room for interpretation. Talk is cheap. You can say you love someone. But your actions speak louder than your words. So you have this situation. And, and I thought about doing a foot washing thing here today. And I thought, oh, no, people will not like that. Because um, I wouldn't like it. You know, I don't want to take off my shoes. And, you know. and I thought, why is it that we, we cringe so much at things like that? I don't know. But I know that foot washing was something that they didn't like doing back then either. In fact, a servant would always wash the feet. A master washing feet was not typical. Not only was it a servant, but it was typically a Gentile servant. Washing feet was below a Jewish servant. Like, we leave that for the Gentile slaves. That's the kind of thing we're talking about. So to see Jesus stoop to this level, it's noteworthy. Now, there were exceptions. A a parent might wash the feet of their children. Um, Back then, with a a very patriarchal system, a wife might wash the feet of her husband. A student might wash the feet of their rabbi or their teacher. But even those were rare. I mean, that wasn't the norm. Usually you got somebody else to do it. And so 
it's really interesting that Jesus flips the script. Jesus was so secure in who he was. Jesus was so confident in his relationship with God that he understood what the call of a follower does. A follower serves. A follower doesn't look for who's going to be the greatest. A follower looks for the pitcher in the basin. A follower picks up the suitcase. He knew who he was. So he flips the script and he says, yeah, typically it's the, the, the teacher who has his feet washed. But I'm going to wash your feet. Typically it's the slave who does the foot washing. But the master is going to be the one that does the foot washing. Can you imagine? Okay, honesty time. Like you're there. You're one of the disciples and you're sitting around, and things haven't started yet, and you're conversing, and you see the picture over there in the corner. i got to be honest. I would be the one that's like, where's the servant? Who's going who's gonna to do that? I don't know who it's going to be, but I know who it's not going to be. I'm just being honest. That's probably how I would be. I don't know if you're ready to be that honest yet, but that's probably how you would be too. I know I ought to. I just don't want to. Let someone else do it. So you've got that level. And then Jesus, the one person that everyone can agree on, should not be doing this. Ugh. Jesus, you're doing it again. You're messing things up. You're, you're disrupting the status quo. You're changing what we think should happen, and you're doing something different. And Jesus, the only one in the room that undeniably we would say, yeah, that's not your job. Jesus is the one that leads the way. Takes off his outer cloak, pit, picks up the basin and the pitcher. Ugh. And everyone's thinking, I should have done it. I ought to have done it. Well, everyone except for Peter. Peter's like, nope, 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 nope. And Jesus is like, you don't understand. It, this is what I'm calling you to. I'm calling you to service. I'm calling you to give your life away. This is what these three years I've been trying to teach you. I'm going to be pouring my life out for you in just a few hours. This is kind of a foreshadowing. I'm serving you by submitting it, and this is what I'm going to call you to do. Remember that whole take up your cross thing? Like, this is the deal. And Peter's still thinking physically, and he's like, okay, then my head, my feet, let's, let's just do it. Let's, let's get full-on bath time. And Jesus is like, no, no, we're still not on the same page. Clean heart is clean. Now serve. And he says, it's basically like he says, okay, you want to be part of the family? I keep talking about my relationship with the Father, and you want to be part of this family? I want you part of the family. But do you remember? Family serves. We serve each other, and we serve others. And so I want to give you this example. I'm serving you so that you can serve each other and then serve the world. You really ought to do it. Jesus says you ought to do it. I love that word ought. Ought, ought, ought. Everybody say ought. ought. You know what ought means? I don't even have to go to the Greek to figure this one out, but I did. But it means what you think it means. It means you really should. It's when you know you should do something... You ought to do it. I ought to brush my teeth. Can I not brush my teeth? Yes. 
Should I brush my teeth? I ought to. It's, you know you should do it. Jesus is saying to them, you really ought to catch this. You're bickering over status and who's going to be highest on the rung. And I'm trying to tell you that the first shall be last and the greatest shall be least. And it's really not about fighting for this upward mobility. Who's going to be on the top rung? Who's going to be on the top of the mountain? That's the way the world does it. It's really about who's going to submit the most. Who's going to completely surrender and serve. Not just serve the cool people, but serve the unlovable and the unwanted and serve everybody. That's really what you ought to do. You ought to be serving people now. And now. And now. And now. It's a great example because we don't take a shower one time and then we're done for our life. No, we need to do that regularly. And Jesus is saying, service isn't a one and done. You don't just decide, okay, I served you, Lord, today. We good. No. It's a continual surrender. I surrender to you, God. I want to serve you. Whatever you say, I want to do. I love how Paul puts it. Paul has this, it's called the descent into greatness, is what a lot of people call it. And it's from Philippians 2. One of my favorite passages. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort in His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, by loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. It's as if Paul, he wasn't in the upper room, but it's as if he was in the upper room and he understood that the things that the 12 were struggling with are the things that the 60 are struggling with today. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So let's get down to it. What's the mindset? The mindset is service. Though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to, and instead he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. He was born as a human being, and when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself. Well, he humbled, and he humbled, and he humbled. He humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on a cross. Because he was faithful, therefore, God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him the name that's above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you want to know? Do you want to know what you're called to? First off, let's frame it. Remember, this is overwhelmingly about love. You are loved. You are loved so much that the creator of the universe took on human form to serve. Let that sink in. Don't let the you are loved sentence be a flippant thing that you just brush past. You are deeply loved. And we know we're loved because we see how Christ loved us. And if we are to love God the way God has loved us, we are to imitate Christ. Which means we pick up the basin and the pitcher. When everyone else in the conference room is waiting to see who's going to get called out for being exceptional, 
means we pick up the suitcase. Sometimes, literally. More times than not, though, that's just a metaphor. That's an example. It means we are willing to do what it takes to show our love in action for others. And we love because He loved us. Amen? So, I want the band to come up. We, we cut the singing a little short at the beginning because I wanted them to sing this. And I want to give you guys time to think and pray. You're welcome to join along and sing. Um, or you can just take some time and pray at your chair or at the altar. But I, wanna, I want you to think about this. Here's the question of the day. Jules, I might need you to forward it because I can't. The question is, what needs to change in my life? Uh-oh. I got it right here. What needs to change in my life in order for me to pick up the pitcher and basin and serve it? What do I need to surrender? What do I need to let go of so that my hands are open to kick up the need in front of me? Mind, heart, emotion, attitudes. What does Jesus want to teach me this season of Lent as we make our way to the cross? God, how can I be a little bit more like your son? How can I be a little bit more like Jesus? How can your spirit transform me into a little bit more of your image? So the band's going to sing. You're welcome to join in or pray. And then we're going to come to the table afterwards.
we've come to a time to celebrate communion now. We're going to have juice and bread, but those aren't going to fill us, are they? How many of you have eaten yesterday and then you ate today and you will multiple times today and you're still going to be hungry? So we see in Scripture where Jesus says, drink of me and you won't be thirsty anymore. Eat what I have to offer and you won't hunger anymore. But we look later on and Jesus is still saying, hey, have you got anything to eat here? There is a different fulfillment. And we're all hungry. Uh, Of any nation I've been to, I think we're the hungriest nation I've ever been to. Both physically and emotionally. We're always wanting more and more and more. And the more we consume, the more we want. Jesus is saying, I have something for you to consume that is going to satisfy everything you've ever had. I think that's what the pastor was, part of what he was saying is, As we do the will of Jesus, we are filled. As we serve, as we give, we get something that isn't comprehensible in our normal worldly ways. So I want us to come together today. You're going to take the the bread and and dip it and eat it. and You're still going to be hungry. You're probably going to be hungry right away. There's donuts back there for that later. God wants to give you something that you only receive by giving yourself away. So let's line up. As If you don't know the drill, just watch the guy in front of you. You'll be okay. But if Mr. Mike, if you'll come up here and give me a hand. And let's say, God, I'm, I really do want to eat and drink what you have for me. Reveal, as he said, reveal what it is that will bring me to that place of eating and drinking eternally. All right, come on up.
If you're visiting with us, we're, we're so glad that you joined us. I, I pray that you have sensed there is space to breathe here and meet with God. Um, and um, we, at the end of the service, sing our benediction. And so we're going to do that. If you're visiting with us, that's okay. Just, just receive it. And uh, everyone that's regular here will sing out. And uh, you'll notice sometimes... We do this while we're singing, and I invite you to do that. It's simply it's just a reminder. God, open hands. I want all of you, and I'm giving you all of me. So let's sing together. We sing hallelujah. Let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. Go in God's peace and love to serve the world. We'll see you next Sunday, or Wednesday.